Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. Recording this on a late night, early morning, March 25th, 2021. Of course, I'm your host, Surreal Gerald Quinn. A lot to discuss on this busy podcast. It was a busy weekend uh, in terms of content. And again, there's a lot going on in the world of sports. And we're going to begin, of course, this is episode 768 of the Real Deal Podcast. So we'll begin with Deshaun Watson. Um, Deshaun Watson, of course, there are 16, there are up to 16 lawsuits of sexual misconduct filed against um, Deshaun Watson uh, with women claiming that, you know, he's been, again, claiming that he's been inappropriate with them um, at, a, at a masseuse with various massages. Uh, again, 16 lawsuits filed by uh, uh, by Tony Busby, who is the lawyer for representing all all the the girls who are, are you know, young ladies who are accusing um, uh, Watson of various degrees of sexual misconduct. Um, and you know, I've been following this case closely. Uh, of course, Hudson Watson is represented by Rusty Rusty Harden, who is representing a number of high-profile celebrity uh, athletes, Roger Clemens, you know, just a just to name a few. And he was a high-power attorney in, in Houston in his own right. And you know, in this case, you know, you like to see all the evidence come out before you make a judgment. All we know, we know that. There are lawsuits that have been filed. We know that is he said, she said. Um, but clearly, um, Busby has been, uh, you know, you're giving the edge right now to, in terms of the battle of the lawyers, you got to give the edge to Busby because he's been way more aggressive whether you agree with his methods or not going, putting, posting letters, NFL letters on Instagram, posting text messages on Instagram. He's been somewhat over the top, but he's been aggressive in fighting for his clients versus Rusty Harden, who up until yesterday hadn't even made a statement. Uh, uh, you know, Watson went, went an entire week between statements. Initially came out March 16, said that I, you know, he had never disrespected any women, um, and that these allegations were not true. Then we see multiple, we see a number of suits come out between now, between then and the next statement that he makes, which was uh, through Rusty Harden, uh, uh, basically through Rusty Harden, and basically eight days later, in which you know Harden comes out. <laughs> It says they have some evidence to prove that they that they can discredit one of the um, young ladies, which would basically put into question all of the lawsuits. And that's been, you know, the one risk of Busby representing all, all the young ladies is not, and the young ladies not having multiple lawyers is that if one of the cases, if one of these cases is discredited, if one of these young ladies is discredited, or is proven to be a liar, then that could really hurt the rest of the cases against the other uh, rest of the cases or the lawsuits that have been filed. So that's, I, I guess that would be the one risk that Harden, not that Harden, that Busby has um, in, in terms of this case. 
But but listen, you know, we don't know what happened. All we heard, all all we heard, all we hear is allegations. Couple things, and these guys have to learn this, and some of them learn the hard way. You cannot put yourself as a whole high-profile person, celebrity, athlete, whatever. You can't put just you can know in 2021, you cannot put yourself in a position where where it's he said, she said. You just can't put yourself in that position. Um, you know, he's doing all these massages. I mean, he, he used multiple people, massage therapists, and, you know, he's he's good, you know, he's contact. He's just have one, just have one person have it have it team oriented as far as having having a witness uh, from the Houston Texas saying, "Hey, all right, I'm getting I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have one masseuse, and I'm gonna have somebody from, from the team who who is a witness to who is a witness to this who is who is going to be a witness to this one masseuse massage. So you know, that's how you cover. I mean, that's how you cover your own ass. But you know the way he's did, the way he he's done this he's left he's left himself out there to be questioned. Uh, we again we don't know what is true we don't know what is not. There's no videotape. Uh, all of this is uh, is uh, is alleged. But again, you can't put yourself in a position where it's he said versus she said because then the court of public opinion takes over, and in this era of Me Too, uh, you're going to be unfortunately guilty until proven innocent. With this all, with all this being said, the, there are still teams out there who are willing to trade for Deshaun Watson. There are still teams out there who are going to want Deshaun Watson. The thing is that Houston Texans' price probably is going to drop. It's going to go from you know probably hundred ninety five cent on a dollar to probably seventy cent on a dollar. Seventy cent on a dollar. So you're going to be you're going to get you're going to be able to get Deshaun Watson. Well, I think for a lot less than before this case uh, now than before this um, before this came out in the public. And if I'm Deshaun Watson and someone accuses me of any type of sexual uh, misconduct, assault, rape, I am blatantly coming out. Not only am I coming out and denying it, if I didn't do it, if I didn't do it, I'm going to do a counter lawsuit. Because like this could cost them, you know, millions of dollars as far as future earning problem, future earning, and also you know destroy his reputation. If you if you are threatening my reputation with some allegations that I that I know that are not true, I'm going to not only going to, I'm not only going to deny them, I'm going to sue you on top of it. Do a counter lawsuit, especially if I have you have Deshaun Watson money, type money. So I don't think that he's done a good job at fighting hard enough for his own name to be honest with you like, I, even even you know even with the statement he came out last week i've never you know these are not true this is not true i've never disrespected any woman i no, that language has to be i vehemently deny all of these allegations period like i and, and it's and it's coming with a counter lawsuit I mean, you have to fight for i mean this is like defamation of character if it's not true I mean, it goes beyond defamation of character. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, again, Busby, the lawyer who is representing 
the young ladies has been by far the more aggressive and to me uh, up until this point more effective of the two lawyers to be honest with you of course we're in the midst of a break we're from march madness um again really it's kind of this is a very quirky quirky uh schedule as far as you know watching march watching matt march madness on monday and tuesday you know, i had to get used to watching the second rounds on monday play out on monday and tuesday uh it will play will resume on saturday so they'll go saturday through tuesday as regards to the sweet 16 and the elite eight um rough night a rough weekend a rough first couple of rounds for the big the big 10 as of right now the only the only remaining big 10 team is michigan remember the big 10 came out with eight teams a number of top seeded teams you see ohio state illinois and iowa were all top two seeds they all fell, and they fell hard. Um, I, in particular, Iowa and Illinois. Iowa got embarrassed by Oregon. Um, Illinois, of course, uh, lost to Loyola Chicago. We remember Loyola Chicago from a couple of years ago got to the Final Four, where you know the ultimate Cinderella team. Uh, you know, Sister Jean, you know, who is still living amazingly at 101 years old. Listen, that Illinois Chicago team. Uh, I thought that it was. I thought that game was going to be a tough game. You have to remember, besides the fact of the experience, besides the fact that you have a situation where Illinois. How many big games has that Illinois team played in in those in their careers? I mean, that, that team. You know, we know they were going to be a good team coming before this year, but they haven't played in a lot of big time NCAA tournament games because Illinois has not been a factor in the NCAA tournament uh, in, in recent memory. Um, Matter of fact, they haven't been, uh, you know, really, this is the first title contending or excellent Illinois team of note probably since 2005 when they got to the national championship game and lost to North Carolina. Um, so the one thing that you have to remember, um, besides what Loyal Chicago did a couple of years ago, a lot of those guys know each other Um in regards to Illinois and Chicago, a lot of those guys played against each other in high school. You had, and there is a, when you get a situation where a team, and I remember, I remember years ago, um, and it come, this kind of, this kind of, this game, this, this kind of remind me of this game. That, of course, it didn't go in the direction. I remember when North Carolina played UNC Greensboro in a tournament in 98. And Dean Smith would never, for whatever reason, he never scheduled UNC Greensboro. And in 98, this was like a year after Dean Smith had retired and Bill Guffridge had that powerful team with, with Carter and Jameson. And they almost beat North Carolina. Matter of fact, the game, they, this was the second round. They almost beat North Carolina in the second round. Um, and that, that North Carolina team was loaded that year. They got to the Final Four. Should have won the national championship that year in 98. But the reason why Dean Smith, Dean Smith said, I never – Dean Smith was scared to death to schedule – that team because he knew what he knew was those players are familiar with each other, come from the same state, recruited. Like there's a chip on the shoulder of the day of, uh, of, of the players who, who get recruited, who don't get, who get recruited by teams like the teams like Illinois and don't get recruited, uh, who get recruited by Illinois. Those guys in Loyola Chicago have a chip on their shoulder from not getting recruited by schools like Michigan, Illinois, North Carolina, those Blue Bloods, Kentuckys. And you, when you play a team within a state, within your own state, 
there is there's gonna be some uh it's gonna it's gonna be a fight. It's gonna be a fight. And those players take it personal. Those players want to prove that they're just that they should have been recruited by Illinois. Just like, you know, in case with UFC Greensboro, I'm sure they had some players that were recruited um within the state of North Carolina that, that went to North Carolina that didn't get that did not get recruited that um that chose to go to North Carolina or players, or you have players on the team on Illinois, Chicago's, or or UNC Greensboro that did not get recruited by the North Carolinas or Illinois of the world, and they take that personal. You know, and trust me, those players absolutely take that personal, and they are worth salivating. That was the worst possible matchup that Illinois could have in the second round. That team, you and that team. Um, I listen. I didn't watch enough of the loyal Chicago this year to say they should have been a higher seed. Um, you know, eight is pretty, you know, listen, uh, North Carolina was eight this year and coming out of a major conference. So Loyola Chicago probably was seeded properly. It's just the fact that it was this, they were going to be a handful for, for any of the number one seeds this side of Gonzaga. And again, I was not, I, when I saw that, when I saw that match, I said, this is going to be, it's going to be a close game. Now, with that being said, Illinois still, you know, still was clearly, is clearly the more talented of the team other two teams, but you know, it's why they, you know, it's what is what March Madness is all about. Um, Iowa does not surprise me in terms of losing. I knew they were soft. I watched Iowa a number of times this season. They could score with anybody, but they also you could also score on them. So that did not surprise me at all. They got embarrassed. Um Kansas is getting embarrassed. Kansas got destroyed um by uh By USC and you know, give the Pac-12 credit. The Pac-12, you know, with USC, they have USC, UCLA, uh, Oregon, Oregon State. So the Pac-12 makes it is going to make up a fourth of the Sweet 16. The Big Ten was a flop. The ACC hasn't done has done next to nothing. Only with Florida State, um, only has Florida State left. So you know, we've seen you know Big Ten, ACC flop, and the Pac-12 has been shining. Uh, has, the Pac-12 has shined through this first uh, weekend of the NCAA tournament. A uh, number of double-digit seeds, um, you know, you see a number of double-digit seeds advance to the Sweet 16. I have the Sweet 19, <laughs> Sweet 19, Sweet 16 with Oregon State, Oral Roberts, Syracuse, and UCLA. UCLA and Syracuse, you know, Syracuse barely And, you know, Jim Beheim, listen, Jim Beheim, he does this with these teams that are overachieving. We've seen him do this really the second half of his, second half of his career. He's taken a number of teams that probably that were not that good, and they've made and they've been able to make runs, these deep runs into the tournament. 2016, they get all the way to the Final Four before losing to North Carolina, and now he has this team as they uh, really um, controlled the game against. Um, they really uh, controlled the game. I, mean, I forgot who they forgot who they played. I mean, forgot who they played, but they really controlled, uh, really controlled that game, um, and give Syracuse give Syracuse a lot of credit. Again, they bear, if, North, if Syracuse Syracuse had a late win against North Carolina in the season and late in the season at home, bear, a two point win that probably got them in the tournament. Yeah, they, that probably got them in the tournament. If they don't win that game, I'm not sure they, that they would have made the tournament. Uh, first time in, you know, 
probably 40 years or so. You're going to have no Duke, no North Carolina, no, you could, no Kentucky, no Kansas in the Sweet 16. So this has been a rough year, to say the least. Uh, Syracuse beat West Virginia. It was West Virginia right, that Syracuse took out. A rough year, to say the least, for the uh, Blue Bloods of college basketball. You're talking UNC, Duke, UConn, Kentucky, North Carolina. Those are four of the top five programs of all time. Uh, if you put also put in uh, UCLA in that mix, UCLA is, is in that mix as well as, as those blue bloods of college basketball. So again, Gonzaga still is the favorite coming out this weekend. Um, there's only a possibility of one matchup being a one versus two. Um, you have Alabama and Michigan, probably uh, Alabama and Michigan could be uh, on a collision course to meet. Uh, Gonzaga, to me, has a, I think, a, a straight cakewalk to the Final Four. Um, I actually I actually think Florida State's going to beat Michigan. But um, I, I think that, listen, I think it's Gonzaga's tournament to lose. I said it before the tournament, picked them before the tournament. Most people have picked them before the tournament. There's nothing that I saw through the first couple of weeks that – or through the first couple of rounds, first two rounds that 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 would change my mind, that would convince me otherwise that Gonzaga is still not the team to beat, and still and still is still the, in heads and shoulders above everybody, uh, everybody else. You had again, Sweet Sixteen is coming up Saturday. Uh, of course, COVID knocks up, knocked out VCU, so unfortunate for that program, uh, VCU that they that you know that that COVID, and we knew. And listen, this is. What this was the risk that the NCAA took. Uh, we te- these teams knew just coming into this, because this, so this is not a surprise whatsoever that COVID would 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 hit and, and take out one of these teams. Hopefully, it has no effect moving forward on a on the Sweet Sixteen, Final Four, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, and Final Four. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Again, the tournament resumes come uh, come Saturday. Uh, hopefully, Saturday night. Uh, hopefully you got to see two legendary MCs go at it. Of course, of, of the fame group, the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Raekwon versus Ghostface in the verses. And it was everything and then some um, that we thought it was going to be. First of all, the two guys, you had a rare versus where the the participants were actually on time. I think it started like 8-11, which is on time for a versus. Some of these verses I've been starting to like 8.45, 9 o'clock. Uh, so that was a breath of fresh air off the, right off the bat. And it really took you back to 90s hip-hop. And again, I, I don't want to sound like the old man, get off my lawn, but there, there's nothing like 90s hip-hop and R&B. There's nothing like it. I listen to it every day. Um, it is an era that we, that just won't be ever duplicated. If you look at who dropped in the '90s, look at the albums that came out that were produced out of the '90s. It, it just goes, it's unmatched in uh, in my lifetime. Um, like you could not come out, especially in rap, you could not come out without coming out with a classic. You just couldn't come out. And it was a it was an era where you had to earn fame. Nowadays, you can become YouTube famous, Instagram famous, right? SoundCloud famous, you know, without even, without even, you know, selling a record, without even proving yourself. But 
not in the nineties. In the nineties, when you came out, you when when you came out, you came out. Uh, you had to drop somewhere, and you, you had to drop close to a classic. And you know, I didn't even keep score of this. It it frankly, frankly was irrelevant. Um, I was not because I wasn't going to focus in on who won this round, who won that round. It was just to me, it was just taken away from the enjoyment of uh, of the music and to see you know this to see the brotherhood. These guys genuinely love each other. This it is it's like a real brotherhood between Ghostface and Raekwon. They made a number of songs together, number of uh, records together. Um, you know, you saw that. Uh, you saw appearances by Wu Tang with uh, with uh, RZA, Inspector Deck, uh, just to name a few that were there. The stories. Um, in between the songs, and you know, it was it, it was about two and a half hours, so the pacing was it was fine. Uh, it was it was just listen. It was it was a um, one of the, it was my it was up until this point. I I think it's my my two favorite verses have been this one, and I would say the um, the Erica Badu uh, Jill Scott one was was big time too. Those are probably my two favorite verses. Uh, that that they've had and since and to, today or yesterday would have marked a year since the first verses when they had Swiss Beats and uh, Swiss Beats and um, Timbaland definitely shout out to them starting this during the pandemic uh, pandemic last year when people were trapped in the house wondering you know how they were going to you know, pass by the time or get through you know being out of work or being you know or 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 having somebody affected by COVID so um. The, you know this. You know again. This was uh, these two guys definitely put it. Definitely did the did that thing. Did the damn thing. And um, again, you just forget. I mean, how many hits that Wu Tang had, and you know, I kind of went down the Wu Tang rabbit hole because uh, after the verses, watched a couple of episodes of, of Mike's and Men, and uh, you know, just, you know, we talk about greatest hip hop group. I don't think there's any question. You talk about nine members. You talk about how many, how much classic music has been produced from the Wu Tang Clan, uh, that they are the greatest hip hop group of all time, and we again, I I think you know, looking at Wu Tang as a whole, there will I don't think there'll ever be anything like the Wu Tang Clan ever again, when we see nine guys that connected with that kind of type of type of brotherhood, and it just and still to this day, I mean, all of them are still close to this day. Um, that are still living. Of course, your OD, you know, ODB died a few years back. Um, but uh, again, uh, you listen, you go back and listen to some of the some of their hits, and just you know the merge of R and, and that's another thing too. In the nineties, there the merge between the marriage between R and B and rap in the nineties was just was was just beyond. It was just brilliant. It was a perfect match. You know, you hear Raekwon, you hear Method Man do a joint with Mary J. Blige. You hear, you know, you hear you know, Ghostface, you know, all that, I, all that I got, you know, all that I got is you. Um, you hear uh, Raekwon on the Jodeci remix. Uh, so it was a perfect, it was a perfect match of hip hop and, and R&B um, during that particular time. So definitely shout out to them. Uh, I hope you know if you didn't see it, definitely catch you know catch the replay on. You can certainly catch the replay on. It's on YouTube. 
but uh, it was it was a you know it was something it was it was a you know a a, a, a definitely something for um, definitely a, a throwback. Definitely uh, something that you if you grew up in the '90s like I did, that took you back in a uh, in a time machine and you remember where you were at, you remember what you were doing, you remember how old you are, you how old you were, and, and, and what have you. So uh, definitely enjoyed it and certainly looking forward to to the next versus. I actually want to see want to see Meth in a versus. Um, I initially thought that you know that they should that should have been Meth and, and Ghostface because you Meth and Ghostface in the verses. Now you know I wonder who you who you can who you can match up with with Method Man. Maybe maybe somebody like Joe Button. Well, Joe Button and Method Man. Go around the NFL. Of course, the big news coming out last weekend was the LeBron James uh, ankle injury. Uh, first of all, the play. Solomon Hill, it was not a dirty play. I've seen that play a million times in the NBA. Guy going for a loose ball, he gets undercut. The difference is, you know, seen that play a million times in the NBA. It's not a dirty play. That guy, Solomon Hill, is only only gets on the court because of his hustle and because of, you know, hard-nosed plays and things of that nature and, and what have you. So he's a fringe rotation player. If he doesn't play that hard, if he doesn't go for those 50-50 balls, he doesn't, he does, he's not going to get on the court. It's just that simple. Um, Lakers have to find a way to kind of maintain, you know, Lakers, being in the Western Conference, being in the Western Conference, you have a bad week. You could fall into the eighth spot. I mean, that's how closely tightened up, that's how tight the Western Conference is. So Lakers, you know, got to find a way to scratch out some games. The schedule is not impossible. But it is in the what it is the Western Conference, and they do have some tough games coming up. They have no in the next couple of days, couple the next week. They have Philly tomorrow, and I'm Philly tomorrow. And I know next Wednesday um, they have uh, Milwaukee. So those are like the two top teams in, in the Eastern Conference, and Philly is playing great right now. Both Milwaukee too, both Philly and Milwaukee are playing great. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this injury dictates what the Lakers are going to do in regards to the trade deadline. You've heard Andre Drummond forever. Um, whether it's going to be a trade or a buyout, are the late the more the Lakers would be more likely to get him in a buyout than it would, than it would be a trade. Um, you've heard Kyle Lowry, uh, possibly. Um, I think Kyle Lowry, myself. I think Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia. If Kyle Lowry does go anywhere, I think he's going to Philadelphia. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where he where he ends up. Um, so. Like it's gotta be careful here because you can be, you know, you don't, you know, the West could be turned upside down. I mean, it is not, depending on how long LeBron and Anthony Davis are out, it is not out of the realms of possibility that the Lakers are in the play-in tournament. <laughs> Think about that. Imagine that. You imagine the Lakers in the play-in tournament. You imagine the ratings that the NBA would get with the Lakers in the play-in tournament, and the idea that Utah could go work all this, you know, work hard. And bust their ass for number one, number one seed, and just to face the Lakers as a possible number eight seed. So a lot of people are gonna be watching where the Lakers fall, and you know, and and the Lakers fall below the six seed because that is you know, and, and fall into that playing tournament. Uh, Kyrie's gonna miss the next three games, or or the next two games. The, the Nets lost tonight badly to Utah. Of course, they had nobody. 
uh, if Harden, you know, he sat, they decided that Harden sat with a stiff neck. So you had no, 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 that big three sat, you know, their big three was, was gone. Big three didn't play. And of course, as expected, they got, you know, smashed by Utah. But um, Kyrie's going to be going for the next two games. Um, you know, I mean, this is not, I'm not going to compare this to the last sabbatical he took because he did, you know, he did let the team know and the team, you know, he didn't, ca- didn't catch uh, the organization all, off guard with this. So didn't get much fanfare, didn't get much that much attention from that standpoint. But um, listen, you know, it's, it's still something that the Nets have to take note of. Um, not only long, short, and long term. You know, does this guy want this? You know, hopefully for the short term. Hopefully, if you're, if you're for the Nets organization, this does this does not occur during the playoffs. Number one, and for the long term, does Kyrie Irving want to play basketball for the next four, five, you know, four to five years? Forget about. You know, we I really think in today's NBA, you can't even think of, think ten. You can't even think ahead. Think think ahead by ten years. You can't even think that. You have to go in. You know, two to basically two to three year increments in terms of how much movement goes on in the NBA. But you have to be concerned uh, moving forward about um, about how committed Kyrie is uh, to basketball um, for the future. You know, it might be a case where he might choose to do something else in his life, which is clearly his right. So the Nets are going to go all in, and you know they made the James Harden trade for a reason. They get for his for Kyrie insurance, and it turned out is it's actually for not only for Kyrie insurance, but it turned out to be for Kevin Durant insurance, as Kevin Durant continues to be out with his uh, with the hamstring. Uh, now he's been out for at least he's been out for a month now with that injury, uh, and we're still you know there's. You know, still don't know when he's coming back. Um, so James Harden's value to that team has been, you can't, uh, he's been invaluable to that team. I mean, James Harden deserves to be in the MVP conversation. I don't think he's not going to win it, but he definitely deserves to be in the conversation as a legit top five MVP candidate. And I have no problem with that. I, but I would have a problem with him winning it. I, I don't think you could vote for him MVP based off his first month with the Houston Rockets. But he has been spectacular since he's gotten since he's gotten to Brooklyn. Um, the Sixers, speaking of spectacular, uh, the Sixers had the league's second best record behind Utah. They had 31 and 13. They have won nine out of their last 10 games. Um, they only lost coming. They lost a, a tough game last week to, to to Milwaukee, a game that they probably should have won. Um, and they, you know, they have played so well that you wonder whether or not. Do they even need to do they do they need to even make a move for the um in terms of the trade deadline? Do they need to make a move? I would probably lean towards yes, because they uh, still think getting a, a guy that can create their own shot or create plays for somebody on the perimeter is still gonna be vital for them moving forward. So if they're talking about they'll possibly doesn't mean like you'll be shocked if Bradley Bill's not gonna get traded, so I'll be that you know, we could kind of Put that to bed at least for the rest of the season, at least for the off season or next even next year's All Star break. But uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, you put Kyle Lowry. And the Sixers have assets; they have young assets, they have draft picks, they have the means to go out there and get a player uh, of uh, Kyle Lowry's ilk. Um, 
that would be a absolute perfect fit for the Sixers. Somebody that, you know, could can score, create shots for himself, create shots for others, championship experience, tough defender, very good player, still an all-star caliber guard, even even this late in his career. Uh, we know he's got a lot of trade on the tire, but he is a championship player. He is a guy who was, in essence, the second, probably the second best, second most important player on the team, on the team that won a championship in 2019. Even though we you know Kawhi was by far, in a way, the best player on that team. So, I think that um, if you could pull, if you can pull the trigger on that deal, if you're the Sixers, I think that I, I would have to pull the trigger and get Kyle Lowry on a team that I think is. It's prime to poised to win a championship. I've been very impressed with the Sixers. They're seven and six without Embiid. Um, ben Simmons, you know, I, again, I don't get any criticism about Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has been spectacular to me since uh, since the All Star break. Uh, he's been more aggressive. He is, uh, he absolutely, without question, is the defensive player of the year. I don't want to hear about Rudy Gobert. In terms of impact, Ben Simmons impacts the game defensively as much as any player in the league right now, period. Um, so really the Sixers are, are this, you know, this could be, you know, Sixers could definitely get to the finals. Sixers could possibly even win a championship this year. And to me, if you're the Sixers, you absolutely just you go for it. You absolutely go for it and don't look back. <laughs> Couple of thoughts before I uh, get out of here. Um, Steve Kerr has some comments <laughs> uh, about on a podcast recently in regards to basically comparing coaching his team last year, which was 15 and 50, to the 2019 Warriors that made it to the NBA Finals. And if it wasn't for you know Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson getting hurt, would have won a championship. Would have won a, a, a would have beat Toronto. Um, and he basically said that it was more enjoyable to coach. The vibe was better with the 15 and 50 team versus the team that was that was you know, going for a three-peat. And, of course, Kevin Durant had a response, you know, had a tweet saying this is hilarious. And Steve Kerr got up in, you know, up in arms and annoyed saying that, you know, his comments were taken out of context. And... You know, it wasn't people are trying to make it very Kim versus Kevin Durant. Um, no, I would say that the Kevin, let's put the Kevin Durant part of this aside for a second. Steve Kerr is a eight time NBA champion. He won five championships as a player. He won four, three. He's won three as a head coach. Okay. So you're telling me as a eight time champion that you, had a more enjoyable coaching experience for of a team that was 15 and 50 versus a team that went to game six of the NBA finals. Okay. If it wasn't for the Kevin Durant part of this, that would sound insane. Even with the Kevin Durant aspect of this, it still sounds insane. How about the vibe of winning? I'll take that vibe any day. And yes, when you make a comment like that, it's going to be, it's clear that it's a shot at Kevin Durant and, you know, whatever circumstances that he caused with his behavior during that last year, uh, 2018, 2019 season, 
I don't understand why Steve Kerr is even talking. Kevin Durant has been gone from Golden State for two years now. I don't understand why he's even talking about that. Talking about that team, talking about that season. That season is two years ago. And with this pandemic, it seems like it was five years ago, to be honest with you. Now, it's one thing if you want to compare this team, last year's team, to this year's team, and and talk return and want to, you want to, you know, big up the the young players for their development or how hard they play or how tough and gutsy. Okay, cool, that's fine. There's no problem with that. But you can't don't you can't shit on a team that went to the NBA Finals in 2019. Um, and again, it, it, what it tells me is the fact that he, I, I still think he's annoyed that Kevin Durant left that organization. That's what it, that's what it tells me. It's, it's almost like how dare you leave this seemingly perfect basketball situation where you fit perfectly. We won when you were healthy. We won. If you would have been, if you, you know, when it got hurt, we would have won three straight. And again, I, I, listen, I, Kevin Durant said some things after he left that kind of took some shots at, at, at the culture, at the Golden State culture, even Steve Kerr to a lesser extent uh, in regards to, you know, how he was being utilized and things of that nature, which, which I said at the time just sound utterly ridiculous considering that he played his best, to me, his best basketball in terms of efficiency and defense during his tenure, during those three years with Golden State, easily. Like, it's not even close, easily. And this, this is a guy who won an MVP in Oklahoma City. Like, I don't want to hear from Steve Curry. I don't, I don't understand why Steve Curry is, is still talking about 2019. Like, like let's leave 2019 into that. Leave that in the past. Like, I, like, I don't... Again, I don't understand why that's still, you know, again, why he's still focused on that. And when, again, when you make comments like that, you know that it's going to be taken like you're taking shots at Kevin Durant, which which you are. Which now nah, he didn't mention Kevin Durant by name, but it's a to me, it's a it's a it's not even subliminal. It's a clear shot at Kevin Durant to me. So, um, so you had that going on. Um, this is what the mayor in my uh, down in Florida, down in Miami, or had to say. Said says it's become a tender. This is talking. This is in regards to the spring break and what's going on. What 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 transpired down there? Now, I don't know what people expect. Out of twenty, out of eighteen to twenty-five year olds during spring break, I kind of feel like there's been what's been going on in spring break. Um, this year has been going on in spring break for like the last 20, 25 years. With however long they've been doing spring break down there. Now, yeah, we are in the midst of a pandemic, but Miami, the state of Florida, has been one of the most COVID ignoring and open states in the country. They've continuously ignored COVID. They've continuously kept their bar, kept their bars and places, night hot night spots open. And now all of a sudden they want to impose curfews and things of that nature 
when they've when they've completely just ignored basically ignored COVID. So yeah, people are gonna come to Florida. People realize how open Florida is, and it might get a little crazy. Yes, that's that's what spring break tends to get crazy um, around this time of year. So I, again, I don't know what the big fuss is. What the big fuss is, I've seen. You know, like if you go down there and start destroying property, then you have to deal with the consequences of that. But I again. I think that I think that I would I just if you know if, if I wanted to vacation right now and have a peaceful vacation, a peaceful vacation, probably wouldn't go to probably wouldn't go to Miami during spring break. So I heard I see, I see a lot of people complaining about how rowdy it was. Have you ever been to a spring break before? Have you ever been to a freak meek? You've been in a Greek fest. Been a, I've been a couple, been a, a couple of Greek festivals. It's yeah, it's crowded. It gets and it gets rowdy. It gets yeah. It's a police presence. It, it gets wild. Yeah. So I mean, what like what do you expect? What do you expect? I, I don't get it. And of course, um, you had the situation, uh, the tragedy in Colorado, where um, kind of another mass murder, mass murder. There have been seven mass shootings over across during the, in the country over the last in the last week throughout various cities across the across the country. Of course, it, we had you know you, know, you had the, the the spas in Atlanta where uh, a number of Asians were killed. And murder, um, and you know, I you hear the same thing about gun control. Gun control. It's like it's like a bad, you know. It's like a uh, we've heard this song, we've heard this song and dance before. When a mass murder happens, oh yeah, you got to ban guns, you got to ban AR the teens, you got to get tougher gun laws, and so on and so on. The bottom line is, no one really wants to wants stronger gun laws. The government doesn't want it, Democrats or Republicans. And we as society don't want stronger gun laws. To be honest with you, how many people do you have here crying about Joe Biden uh, in terms of he's going to take our guns? Like, no, dumbass. No, he's not. Because he, he fears, just like the Republicans, he fears the NRA uh, as well. And people... You know, people want their guns. So there's, there's not even a big enough push from, from from the country, from the average citizen, in regards to stricter gun laws. To be honest with you, that's what's something that nobody really wants to wants to mention. So to me, I mean, we you gotta we have to attack this from a mental health standpoint. Yeah, if let's say this guy didn't have access to that type of weapon. Let's say he had access to a pistol. He still would have shot three. Somebody still would have died that day if he just asked if he if he had access to just uh just a regular gun. So to me, I mean, we need to we need to put more emphasis on the mental. You know, yeah, you can put 
sure, you can have stricter background checks and more. Uh, you can have stricter strict. You can have more stringent background checks, and certain people should not be allowed. Certain people don't have the mental capacity to to. Certain people should not own a gun, any gun, let alone a AR fifteen or AR, you know, AR fifteen or that you know semi automatic weapon. We understand that, but to me, somebody you know, we look at what happened in Atlanta. We look at what happened in Colorado. These you know, particular individuals clearly had mental issues, major mental issues, to say the least. And by the way, Colorado, this has become a regular occurrence in Colorado. Colorado, since 1999, has had nine mass shootings in schools alone. But again, Colorado is one of these open carry states that, hey, don't take our guns. They're one of these open carry states that you know, that again, these the, it is the citizens driving this. Is it the government is just the government is just uh you know is just obliging the citizens when it comes to uh when it comes to gun laws and gun control. If you had if you had if you had citizens who were voting out politicians because of because of uh because they don't, because they're not tough on guns, then the whole narrative would change. Then you would have politicians restricted on gun, restricted on gun control. We have citizens who are keeping guys, who are keeping, keeping politicians in power because of because of because of how um, because of because of how weak they are when it comes to gun control, and because and because they allow them. In certain states, a number of states for number of states for open in terms of being open carry states. Period. So this is not all on the government. This is this is on us as citizens in regards to um, you know right to bear taking you know we've taken the right to bear arms to the right to carry arms in public spaces in open in open carry spaces. You don't need to walk around public in the public. You don't need to walk around in public with a gun. Now, it's one thing, you know, it's one thing if somebody comes into your, your place, uh, breaks into your house and you have a gun, you have the right to defend yourself or your family and your loved ones. But you don't need to walk. You don't need to walk around in public with a gun. So I, that's why I don't get the whole point of open carry. So when you encourage, listen, when you you give somebody an inch to go and take a mile, you encourage open carry. There's such thing as open carry states. Yes, they're going to be good. You're going to get mass murders. Lastly, um, of course, the Lakers lost a legendary figure, um, Elgin Baylor, the great Elgin Baylor at the age of 86. Elgin Baylor was simply one of the greatest players of all in NBA history. This guy was, you know, he was a high flyer as far as the things he could do athletically. Uh, he career 27 and 13. Um, and you think that, you know, it's funny with Elgin Baylor, you know, he played for one of the great franchises, one of the most iconic franchises in NBA. But of course, in the Lakers, he was a perennial all-star, perennial first-team All-NBA. He has the third highest scoring average of all time behind only Michael Jordan and, and Will Chamberlain. 
And but yet, you know, he still doesn't get, you know, the his just desserts in regards to being recognized as truly one of the all-time greats. Now again, in, in NBA circles, people who are connected to the league or anybody that played against him or coached him or not coached him, played against him or watched him or saw him play over the course of his career know what Elgin Bell was all about. But I think that, you know, he didn't play in the, you know, this era of um, the NBA was not a major, you know, television. During the time he played, you know, the NBA wasn't, it wasn't a leading sport. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as popular, you know, as, as some of the other sports. That's the bottom line. And uh, there was no internet and things of that nature. Um, so that certainly contributes to uh, him not getting some of the recognition that he deserves. But regardless of that, if you know anything about basketball, you even if you didn't, even if you weren't alive when he played, which I wasn't, Elgin Bella was a whole legend. And, and, and you know, Elgin Bella did some things that players just can't, just will, can't or will never be able to do in terms of scoring. Elgin Bella was a, was a scoring machine talking about somebody who had 61 points in a playoff game. You know, only Michael Jordan has had more points in a playoff game. Um, and, and even in the playoffs, his career average is like 27 and 13. So he uh, was a Laker legend, an NBA legend. Again, didn't have as successful a career as a general manager running the Clippers. We know this. Even though they had, you know, he had, they had a couple of good years in the mid-2000s with that Elgin, with that, um, that Elton Brand. Uh, Corey McGetty, a couple of those guys, you know, when they made the playoffs a couple of years, that 2016 was very good. Uh, was a good team. They almost got to the um, almost got to the conference finals, lost to Phoenix in the second round. But um, he, and the, he, I mean, the Lakers, he has a statue. I mean, he has a statue outside out, outside Staples Center. And again, any one of the top 15 players of all time, I like probably maybe a top 10 talent, but definitely one of the top 15, without question, one of the top 15 players of all time. So he, you know, passes away at the age of 86. That is going to wrap it up for this latest edition of The Real Deal podcast. I will be releasing this podcast along as along with the Snowfall podcast tomorrow. Uh, so you'll get a double dose of podcasts in regards to podcasts being released on Thursday, on Thursday uh, afternoon. Enjoy the rest. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy your weekend as well. I'll see you soon.